Brothers and sisters, I am delighted to have this privilege to be a part of this worshiping congregation. I am aware of the fact that those of us who are here today do not necessarily claim to be members of this church, but that in a sense we are the church representing those expressions of the church from various parts of our country. And I am happy to be here representing at this time some of those persons who are in the church at Union Seminary, others who are involved in the black free church tradition, and also to involve myself as a representative in a sort of way of a Pentecostal expression of the church. And here we are together from east and west and north and south, representing different traditions, acknowledging that the one Jesus Christ is Lord. And in the light of that unity, I speak to you and I share with you the challenge which the word presents to each of us. I should like once again to correct at least part of the introduction. I am in preaching and worship at the seminary and most of my work in New Testament has been an effort to demythologize it. As one of my friends suggested, the way you demythologize the New Testament is to try to see whether or not all that's there makes sense in a time like this. And I've spent a lot of my time wrestling with that possibility. But other than that, most of my work is in homiletics and in worship. I want to speak to you today from the subject, let's forgive our fathers. What I want to propose is that in addition to the cards and gifts we give fathers on Father's Day, that we this year add to the list of things we do the offering of forgiveness to our fathers. Now this, this thought was inspired by a conference I was in a couple of weeks ago where Ruth Carter Stapleton was leading the group in inner healing. And she explained that in much of the counseling that she had done, she once again discovered the truth of the psychological insights that said that many of the difficulties we face in our own affirmation of who we are and in our way of relating to other people grows out of those early experiences with significant others and more particularly mothers and fathers. That many people who do not enjoy warm, meaningful, caring and sharing relationships on many different levels, whether it has to do between spouses, parents and children, co-workers, that if you really want to get to the bottom of it, trace it back. And she says so frequently, she has discovered that something of a scar, something of a disappointment, something of, of real serious resentment against parents seems to be at the heart of what ails us. So I thought, on Father's Day, 
though I will really be speaking of it in terms of our early relationships with significant others, mothers and fathers and sisters and brothers, perhaps it would be okay to single it out and at least start it with trying to urge in the light of the Christian gospel that in addition to what we do for fathers, let's also forgive them. Of course, I should be honest enough to acknowledge that part of my reason is personal. My son is in the audience and I'm a father and, and I'd like, in addition to the other things, just a little bit of forgiveness for my failures to be all that I've promoted myself to be or that he has dared to expect me to be. Now, if I'm going to urge you to share this sentiment, I recognize that I'm going to have to ease up on you on your, your blind side. Uh, because who wants to think about fathers needing forgiveness? And especially on Father's Day, even if dad needed forgiving, we would probably tend to just dismiss or overlook that aspect. So I want to take a very serious case to start with and see if out of a focusing on the experience of Nor and his sons, we can begin to make it a little clearer why perhaps the offering of forgiveness to daddies makes sense even for those of us in our time. The story was read, and I think most of us are familiar with it, though we don't like to refer to this part of the story so very much, the fact that after the great flood and the whole earth is cleaned off and God is getting ready to really make the earth what it ought to be this time, having selected carefully, both animals and persons, to, to get it started right this time. And Noah was the hero. He was the one who had dared to cry out against the immoralities of his time. He was the one who dared to believe that God is, is going to wipe the earth clean and start it all over again. They laughed at him, and his children must have been a bit embarrassed to see Dad building on an ark out there where rain rarely came, and even dew was sparingly found from time to time. But he kept building, and, and although they may have been embarrassed at how he was ridiculed, they lived to see his name and his mission vindicated. For the rains came, and the floods rose, and only those who were on the ark were saved. Afterwards, this preacher of righteousness, this tall, heroic figure, this father whom anyone would certainly envy, this father finally walked out and looked over a cleaned-up earth and with his sons said, in effect, we're going to fix it right this time. But Noah, Noah, looking at the awesome responsibility, nor having weathered the ridicule, the mistrust, the slights, the slurs, had allowed something to get through to him, and so the magnitude of his responsibility seemed to exceed his inner resourcefulness to get on with making the world just like it ought to be. And so the scripture says, Noah was a man of the soil, a tiller, a tiller of the soil, planted a vineyard, and at harvest time found the grapes and 
made the wine and in the light of his responsibility being so high and his human frailty being rooted and grounded in the soil, he took to the bottle or whatever else they were storing the wine in in those days, Mether, maybe wine skins, and, and he drank and drank, perhaps not just this once, but, but he, he became a lush, he, he was drunk. And I don't know how it happened. I don't understand the circumstances, and I will not read anything into to the experiences of, of, of the father of, of Shem and Ham and Japheth. I won't say how it happened, but for some strange reason, not only was he drunk, but lying in his tent, he was naked, exposed, just, just disgraceful. And, and the younger son, Ham, stumbled in on this disappointing situation and, and saw daddy drunk, exposed, saw the evidences of his great heroic preacher of righteousness, visionary of a new utopia, his daddy drunk with inadequacy, yea, even indecency. And what was Ham to do? He was shocked, embarrassed, hurt. He couldn't rationalize about it. He had seen it. So as a younger brother, the only thing he could do was to go back and, and tell his older brothers what he had seen. And in sharing what he had seen, the older brothers, Shem and Japheth, said, Ham, shame on you. Ham, Ham, you shouldn't have done it. Well, how could I help it, Ham said. I, I wasn't looking for this. I just stumbled into the tent, and that's what I saw. They got cloaked together. And to show the young son how they really should do it, turned around and, and walked with the cloak and put it over the father and, and said, yeah, that's, that's, that's the way you show respect for your daddy. You, you cover up the whatever it is that looks inadequate, that looks indecent, that looks like it falls beneath what the father has promoted an image of himself to be, you, you back up into it and you cover it over. Now, what do you all think about that? Do you think it indelicate of me to, to invite an opinion from you as to just what the brothers should have said to Ham or what Ham should have done. Oh, I guess it is inappropriate. It's inappropriate for us with our 20th century psychological understanding to, 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 to go back to the centuries and, and lay something on them. It's inappropriate for us to stand there and offer our Christian judgment and advice on what the brothers... We shouldn't enter this family argument unless... Unless we are biblically oriented enough to recognize that this is not really the story of Noah and Ham and Shem and Japheth. 
Because the scripture even goes and says that through these people, all the nations of the earth were people. So really, it, it really is much more our story. And I don't know what kind of resistance I get. It's because of fathers here have never been either inadequate or indecent, or at least it has not been discovered yet. Uh, maybe there are those who say, no, it's not our story. But I suspect that if we want to bring some kind of psychological and Christian judgment on it, that we've at least got to make ourselves brothers or offsprings of Ham and Shem and Japheth. And, and I think there's a way to do it. Again, gently easing up on us. Brothers and sisters, we have our fathers too who may stand in need of, of forgiveness. Uh, well, let me say, as I think about on Father's Day, the founding fathers of our nation. Every time I see the picture of the Declaration of Independence and, and I look at those, those divines, those, those fathers of America, uh, the United States of America, land that I love, I, 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 I must acknowledge that even in spite of some of the bad press that they get as we begin to look into the, the, the petite histoire, the little story behind the big story, uh, something warms my heart when I see our fathers. But, but, but when I really come down and tell the truth, the founding fathers of our nation need some forgiveness. Oh, I'm not laying them low, putting them down. I'm just saying to you honestly that you and I both know that according to the high ideals that they said they were sent here to, to, to create a new nation for liberty and justice and freedom for all, you and I both know that some of them were slaveholders. You know as well as I that some of them made sure that it was an act of generosity to say that the blacks, the slaves, were at least to be accounted as three-fifths of the population. Three-fifths of a man. Uh, you and I know that, that as they began to deal with the creation of this nation, that one after the other, in one point or the other, gave evidences that high ideals do not so clearly and visibly implant themselves in our fathers. And though they are fathers with high ideals, they too, like nor, are men of the soil for whom their flesh or their own commitments to this group or the other causes them to sink beneath the high ideal of liberty, justice, freedom. For everybody. They are my founding fathers. I appreciate them. But when I, when I like Ham, look at what I see under the tent of their own unfolding reality, I know that, that they need to, to be forgiven. Or if not only the founding fathers of the nation, uh, the founding father of the institutions we feel strongly about. Oh, which one do we begin with? Do we begin with the founding fathers of our religious tradition? I think primarily of, of my, own, my own denomination, my own tradition. As I, as I remember those old fathers of my own tradition, Pentecostal tradition, who believed in a style of Christianity 
And I found myself trying my best to live up to all that they said I ought to be as a good Pentecostal brother and son that when I look back, I love those old fathers. When I see the pictures of the historical ones who, who, who came when there was no place to worship, they had to worship under, under, under bush harbors, that, that when I look at them, my heart swells with gladness. And yet as I look and read the history of my own tradition, look at the way in which they with high ideals often fail to come up to it, something in me says, they, they, they are my fathers, but like Noah, they need to be forgiven. Or the institutions that we belong to. I look at Union Seminary, and I go to the alumni office, and I, I, I look at the pictures, and, and for years and years and years and years, in terms of myself as a black man, there was not a black man around except every now and then some extraordinary black broke through almost unnoticed as it were. And, and, but year after year and only recently, for a matter of fact, when I was in seminary way back in 58, there were only three blacks on my floor in the dormitory. And you know what we would do? Every semester we would get together and have an election and elect one or the other of us as deans of colored students. Th those were the days back when. Uh, when I look at my forefathers, who, who are some of the outstanding contributors to theological and religious experience in America, even they need forgiving. And is it indelicate indeed to say that I, I do could have been my alumni it could have been. I wanted to come here. I did, I did, I did. But the fathers had not yet seen that aspect of life. And you know they've built a great institution and there is honor and proud, pride whenever we name the name of Duke, if you know how to pronounce it correctly, and obviously I don't. But, 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 but they need forgiving. Oh, I could go on and on. But alas, could I come now having spent a little time to focus on us? How many fathers are there in this congregation this morning? Will you raise your hands? Yes, I'm one too. And I've talked about the fathers of the, of the nation, the fathers of the religious tradition, but just being a plain old dad, do you realize the fact that they call us fathers and have had in the past a tendency to link that with God Almighty? Before the feminists showed us that God is not nearly to be compared with fathers alone, maybe we better stick mothers in if for no other reason than to bear the weight of, of what the full responsibility is. I see, I see as a father, my son expects of me what I cannot do. Uh, I'm very much aware of my inadequacy to be everything a daddy is supposed to be. A professor and then have time to play kickball and to teach a kid how to ride a skateboard, and to be present at all of the school events where dads are supposed to be, and to be all the things that a pauper is supposed to be, I can't live up to it. And even at times I'm aware not only of my inadequacy, but also of the indecency of, of the continuing to parade as if I am all of that and, and can't quite be it. I need forgiveness. Well, those of us who are a part of the Christian tradition. Whether you think Noah's case is extreme, 
if you can see that even we belong to that great company of those who stand in need of forgiveness, it may help us to understand that, that on Father's Day, it is appropriate to say to our fathers, look, dads, we understand that, that you cannot be everything that, that one might expect you to be. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could say to our fathers, fathers, we, we've been disappointed at times. Fathers, you've not always done what, what you said you were going to do. You have not always kept your word. You, you have not always lived out that which you promoted in your teachings. And oh, for those of us whose fathers are not with us but have gone on, Ruth Stapleton tells us that, that, that they perhaps more than even the ones with whom we live need to be forgiven for etched in our very souls like the souls of Ham and Shem and Japheth are the reactions and the resentments and the, the ill-shaping that results from that experience of the father who was not all that we expected him to be. Well, Jesus says, forgive. Jesus says that if, if you don't forgive your brother, it was almost too close for Jesus to say, if you don't forgive your father. But, but it applies. If, if you don't forgive your father, then something happens to you. And I think this is, this is so important on this day. Let me tell you why we've got to forgive him. First of all, the Christian way of life is, is, is based on forgiveness. You just can't be a good Christian. You can't be a mature Christian unless you forgive. Jesus went about saying, forgive those who, who trespass against you. They say it, it came in a late uh, manuscript that the woman who was caught in adultery and was condemned, that it was Jesus who said, go in peace and sin no more. Your sins are forgiven. That the paralytic who was sick, Jesus did not say, get well. He said, be forgiven. And even on the cross, when there was the full revelation of man's inhumanity to man, we hear Jesus crying out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I think that it is important to say that although we tend to lose sight on it, that the essence of Christianity seems to be linked to the fact that in Jesus Christ we are forgiven. Indeed, this morning, the priest said that your sins are forgiven, that no matter how inadequate you have been, that no matter how indecently you have lived, that nevertheless, because of the love of the Father, which transcends your frailty, which transcends your fleshiness, which transcends your being persons who have feet of clay, that the love of God rises above it, and in Jesus Christ, we know we are forgiven. Well, the problem is, that if you've ever experienced the forgiving grace of God, that there is a real clincher when you are told that to continue to enjoy the forgiveness of God, you've got to be willing to let it be passed on to those significant others who sometimes hurt us, to those significant others who have sometimes disappointed us. 
to those significant others who have robbed us of a sense of, of, of worth at times, who have imprinted us with that which was not valuable, that Jesus makes it clear that, that if you want to continue to enjoy the forgiveness of the Father, then you too must be willing to say to fathers, we forgive. Let me tell you this, and then I'm through. The reason it's so important to begin with daddy is because of that old word they said in the black community when they saw a son that looked just like his daddy. They would say, you're the spitting image of your father. And I used to ask, what does that mean? They says, it's just like your daddy just spit you out. There is a sense in which, whether you liked him or not, daddy had an imprint on who you are. And daddy is in you. And if you can't find the courage to forgive daddy, then your capacity to experience self-acceptance and self-forgiveness, your capacity to receive the love of God is in some way blocked because if you can't acknowledge the reality of dad's failure, then somewhere along in your own life, there is an inadequacy that has not yet been acknowledged either. He's in you. And because he is in you, you can't get very far until you can remember, not only with the mind, but as the text of the New Testament says, with your heart. Yes, there have been things that, that, that hurt me about dad, but, but nevertheless, I, I now say to him, daddy, you weren't everything you should have been all the time. And I bear marks of what that was like. But because the love of God has been shed abroad in my heart in the face of Christ Jesus, my love for you both acknowledges the failure and the hurt, but does not cover it up with a garment, for it is covered in that redeeming and forgiving love of God. Let me tell you this. If all over this nation today, where fathers are being honored, boys and girls and men and women who also have their fathers, if they could decide to join the movement, a revolutionary movement of forgiving dad, that will set loose in this nation a new power dynamic like you've never seen before. For whenever you can find the courage to forgive dad, then you turn around and say, Mom, while I'm in this forgiving business, I forgive you too. And not only mom, but sister and brother and neighbor. And when forgiveness begins to spread from pole to pole, why you won't even need the wine that Noah drank for the ecstasy of reconciliation. The ecstasy of being accepted in spite of all your frailties, in spite of all of your, your lack of, of adequacy, even of decency. The ecstasy of absolute and total acceptance in spite of all is so invigorating that wine becomes rather unnecessary in the light of the spirit of love that wells forth. Dad, here's a card. Dad, here's a gift. But Daddy, for all that you wanted to be and never could be, for all that you tried to be and made sometimes a mess of trying, 
today in addition to everything else. You are absolutely, totally forgiven for everything and loved with all that there is in my heart. Can you do that? If you do, then God looks down and says to you, come now, having started it in significant others, join that movement where every creature in the earth learns through you that forgiveness is the Christian style of life because it is the eternal way of the father of the universe and the mothering spirit that makes us whole. Let us pray. Oh Lord, if there's anyone here today who needs forgiveness for inadequacy or even indecency, by the power of thy Holy Spirit, make that forgiveness real. And if there's anyone here today who bears scars from past disappointments and hurts in their families, Father, grant unto us this day the power of reconciliation, acknowledgement, and love. And, O oh, mothering spirit of the universe, so bathe us in forgiving love that even future offenses become covered under the magnitude of that love and forgiveness born in our hearts through the power of the resurrected Lord. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, amen.